Welcome to America Uncanceled. I'm Mercedes Schlapp. After years of Democrats convincing Americans that the slippery slope is just a fallacy, it seems that we have actually reached the bottom. The number of children being diagnosed with gender dysphoria has tripled since 2017. And more and more grifters and those in the medical community seem to be profiting off confusing our children. Joining us today to talk about this and their new book, uh, Exposing the Gender Lie, are co-authors Dr. Jeff Myers and Brandon Showalter. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. What's uh, disturbing to me, Brandon, is one of the parts in the book you all talk about how beforehand doctors, you know, if they would have done sort of these these sex change operations on children, that was just that would have never happened, right? It was like kind of it was kind of viewed as just from an ethical standpoint completely wrong, and they moved forward with something called the Dutch Protocol as well. Walk us through how we've seen this transition from something that uh, these sex change surgeries, which were forbidden, which were eth ethic from an ethics standpoint, very questionable, to all of a sudden it's becoming this popular medical industry where you're seeing them making millions of dollars in profits. You're absolutely right, uh, Mercedes. And uh, we intentionally titled our subtitle with industry in it because it is just that. And when I say that, I often feel obligated to say, well, that just sounds like tinfoil hat conspiracy. That's just crazy talk. And it has taken years as a reporter at the Christian Post and other journalists who are working in this space to sort of cut through the layers of people's inability to believe the horror of it to actually get through to them that no, this is actually happening in prominent children's hospitals today. Uh, you mentioned the Dutch protocol. That was first sort of emerged on the scene because the first uh, well-known documented case report where a doctor used a puberty blocker to treat gender confusion in a minor came right. out of Holland, out of the Netherlands. And so you know, an endocrinologist working together with a psychologist did that because the idea was that puberty was too traumatic for this young person to endure. And from that, it sort of was exported to, sort of migrated across the Atlantic and became adopted gradually. The first pediatric gender clinic in the United States was opened in Boston in 2007. And from then, sort of those in academic medicine circles revamped guidelines for the endocrine society, the American Academy of Pediatrics, all of the professional societies where you would expect sound science to govern mm -hmm. the day. They've been taken over by this postmodern gender dogma. And so now if you can get a whole swath of, you know, children on blockers, the pharmaceutical industry, the medical industrial complex stands to profit handsomely because these drugs are very expensive and you'll have lifelong medical patients. Um, so and if you follow blockers with hormones, you're talking about a whole lot of money. And even with the surgeries, there are even more complications. And I yeah. want to emphasize, Mercedes, that this is really, you, you, we can't emphasize enough how concurrent with the medical profiteering and the scandal that that is, is the ideological brainwashing of our young children into this dogma that they have this gender identity apart from their sex. It's extremely dire, yeah, extremely dire. Yeah, and you bring dire. up a great point because, uh, Jeff, at social media, they've helped to uh, drive this explosion of the transgender industry just on TikTok alone, which I talk about TikTok a lot on the show and making sure that parents basically make... <laughs> do not allow their children on TikTok. I have had this conversation with all of my uh, children. Basically on TikTok alone, hashtag trans has logged 50.2 
billion views, having nearly doubled within the last year. Uh, you know, talk to us about the dangers of, of social media, how they themselves are part of this propaganda effort uh, to push this transgender industry on our children. Well, social media companies, as we all know, profit off of creating controversy. The more anger there is, the more money they make. And that's also true among young adults. The more uh, titillating controversy there is, the more money they make. So with, with someone, uh, an influencer like Dylan Mulvaney, who was in the news recently because of his, his, his influencer status with Bud Light, Right. Uh, he has 10 million people, 10 million people who watch whatever he puts out, anything he puts out, it's seen by 10 million people. Right. You know, that's three times the daily viewing of, say, Tucker Carlson, you know, a very, very popular show. And so you, you've got individuals like this who are uh, when people watch them, it, it creates this sense that this is normal. This is the new normal. Okay, mm -hmm. so everything is going to be like this from now on. And if you're a young person who's gender insecure, and many young people are, because their identity crises of, of youth have been all funneled by this industry into thinking if you have a, if you have an identity crisis, it's a gender identity crisis. Mm. Then you start watching these videos, and you think, wow, you know, I I might be a boy, but I don't enjoy all the things that other boys enjoy. So maybe I'm a girl. And all of a sudden, there's this idea that there's some spectrum here. And, and then that really becomes the basis of, of the gender identity crisis. But it, as Brandon pointed out, it is an ideology. This goes all the way back to postmodern teachings in academia back to the 1980s that's, that say that there's no reality out there. You make up your own reality using right. this. Let me ask you, Brandon, one of the quotes in the book, quote from Stephen Richards, a detransitioner, no clinical description of my transition, especially my castration, can really capture how it feels. They gouged into my soul. They warped and molded me into something demonic, into someone else's sick fetish. I was only 14. Now I have to live with this forever. As you all uh, were basically putting this book together, um, explain what you discovered. Anything shocking that you were like, this is so important to bring out, especially when you're looking at the fact that clinical studies are showing that between 74% and 88% of these children, they grow out of this, what you would call gender dysphoria um, by the end of their adolescence. Yet you have these horrible situations where parents actually are saying, okay, well, if my child is saying that they're a boy, but they're really a girl, uh, you know, that, that, that confusion is also supported by the parents. Anything in the book that really stands out to you that you, you were shocked when you all researched it? Well, the book only features some. I mean, believe me, we could have <laughs> written volumes about the horrors that are out there, but we felt it necessary to include some of the statistics about the increasing rates of young people being diagnosed with gender dysphoria, and the numbers are indeed staggering. The numbers are, you know, rising by the day. And we felt it was important to include uh, that Stephen Richards quote, a detransitioner. And to be clear, I'm not sure if he was castrated at age 14. I have seen documents to suggest that there have been 15 and 16-year-old boys castrated at that age, but the process of him being trans started at that age. And so even so, as a young person, he was disfigured. 
And when you start to fall down that rabbit hole, Mercedes, it is quite gruesome because you see, um, I don't believe we put this in the book, but we've had, we have seen journal articles where girls as young as 13 have had their breasts amputated. I'm aware of, you know, children as young as eight and nine being given chemical puberty blockers. And if you follow blockers with cross-sex hormones, those children will be sterile in addition to, you know, a whole host of other medical complications that will arise. And so uh, it is just simply staggering to be living through this medical scandal and child abuse scandal. And it is as bad as we say, or probably worse, but I think it's important to, I mean, I, like I said, we included that detransitioners quote to, to capture the gravity of what's yeah. going on. And I think it's going to take people forcing themselves to confront the realities as grisly as they are so that they know that this isn't just a bunch of conservatives being crazy. It's no. really, really bad. And when you see pictures of this and you hear from their families, I've lost count how many desperate moms and dads I've heard from over the years who will do anything to save their children from irreversible medical harm. We, j we just have to confront it head on. And so it's, right. it's always shocking to see the carnage on the front lines. And Jeff and I are no strangers to any of that. Uh, Jeff, you all in, in one of the chapters talk about transgender ideology and a biblical worldview. I think this is so critical. One of the things you all mention as, at its essence, a biblical view of gender and sexuality is a pathway to flourishing that helps both men and women create conditions for freedom and growth. Uh, give us your thoughts here, your reflection on why the Bible really is goes hand in hand in 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 basically <laughs> simply defining what God intended in terms of gender, which is that of a man and a woman. Well, Mercedes, you don't have to be a Bible thumper to recognize that theology and biology intertwine. Genesis chapter one, the very first chapter of the first book of the Bible says that God made human beings to be in his image and that he made them male and female in his image. So we've been made biologically, but also in a sense, uh, uh, comp complicated, but it's true, uh, spiritually, we have been made male and female, a masculine feminine. We have souls that are masculine feminine. And so when you take the, the biology that humans are dimorphous, that every single cell in our body, except for our um, reproductive cells, is stamped XX if you're a woman, XY if you're a man. And then you take that with the theology, you realize, you know, we're here on purpose. We're made, we're not accidental. We're not born in the wrong body. In fact, our maleness and our femaleness harmonize together. Right. Sort of like two pitches of a roof supporting one another to create greater strength. That's the message we want to give to our kids. There will be times of confusion during their teenage years. We do not want to let this ideology and industry get a hold of them and disfigure them uh, when, when the reality is we want to teach them to be male and female in everything that God intended them to be. Right. And I, and I think there's a really, uh, I, I really love the fact that at the back of the book, it's, you have some, uh, some frequently answered, you know, asked questions appendix uh, because I think that a lot of parents out there, you know, they are concerned. They're, they're worried about this influence on their children. And, you know, in fact, I think it was one of the um, polls that you all did with uh, the McLaughlin uh, and Associates, which showed over 70% of Americans are angry about the deliberate attempts to expose our children and grandkids to the transgender movement. So 
Uh, Brandon, what advice, uh, as you've researched this book, as you've put this book out, what, what advice are you giving parents if they're faced with the situation at home? Well, every case is, of course, different, and um, it, it really does depend. Um, you need to keep the channels of communication open at all costs with your, with your child. Um, I, I, Jeff and I were, are very clear in the book to say that we are not psychiatrists, we're not mental health professionals, and so any advice that we give shouldn't be interpreted as sort of clinical in that sense. Right. But as a journalist and Jeff, as, a, as a, someone who works to form worldviews and equip the next generation, we think that it is important that parents sever any kind of influence of this toxic ideology, get it out of your home. I would say get your kids off tech as much as possible. You know, it's poison when they're very young. They don't need to be imbibing all of this junk. Um, and, I, um, and do everything you can. When, when parents call me, I tell them, if your children are getting into this ideology or they become mired, in a trans or a non-binary identity at school, um, consider removing them from the school if you if you can. Yeah. But do everything you can. Do absolutely everything you can to mitigate and prevent medical harm, mm. because it, there's just no agony like it, Mercedes. When you, when you hear from a parent when and their daughters or their sons are sterile, or they've undergone a surgery, and you can get the, these surge. I mean. The statute of uh, the the age of majority in the state of Oregon is now 15. Oh. And so even minors, this this ideology wedges itself between moms and dads and their kids. It sort of right. pits parents and children against each other. It's a family fracturing scourge, and so you do have to do everything you can to guard that with your life. Right. Um, but do everything you can, especially to prevent. Yeah. Because that's the greatest. That's I think that's the worst aspect of this is the medical and, and child abuse aspect. Right. You know, in many cases, irreversible. And you know, I was talking to a, a, a sister uh, uh, who literally told me, "She goes, this is about the slaughtering of our children. I mean, it really yeah. is. And, and and it's just such it's it's such darkness. It's it's just horrible." Uh, Jeff, let me get your final thoughts here. You do this incredible work with Summit Ministries, where a lot of young people um, are able to really learn about the Bible, how it applies to the world, today's world, today's what seems very chaotic and divisive world. Uh, what's your message? What's your hope for this next generation as they are facing uh, these daunting issues uh, that uh, many of us are just so concerned about? Well, thank, thank you, Mercedes. This summer, I have the privilege of welcoming about 2,000 young people over the course of the summer, and they'll be in intensive programs with 75 top Christian thought leaders. And the message is very clear. Look, we know the world that you're in. 75% of you say you have no sense of purpose that gives meaning to your lives. 50% of you say that you regularly struggle with anxiety and depression. We are not here to have pity on you. We're here to help you find a sense of purpose yeah. and meaning in a vision for your life, a vision for who you were made to be, as an image bearer of God, and a vision for who you were made to be as male and female, to the 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 nerve and the information that you need uh, to to find answers to your most pressing questions, and then to stand up and lead in this time rather than just be followers who go along with the crowd. Well, uh, where can parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles get a copy of the book? That's first first and foremost the most important thing. Brandon. 
they can go and get it on summit.org or on christianpost.com slash ebook slash gender hyphen lie. It's a downloadable free resource. Uh, Jeff, I don't know about print copies, but we, the ebook is definitely free. Uh, and so we wanted to make it free so that parents could have it. We're not making money off of this, but we see this as the threat that it is. So share it with your pastor, share it with your youth director, anybody who can read it. It's a very succinct yet thorough read. We wanted everybody to be equipped with just what are the essential aspects of this ideology and most importantly, how you can protect your family from it. And Jeff, if you're a yeah, parent they, and you want your kids to go to Summit Ministries, where do they get learn more about what you, you all are doing? You can get the information at summit.org. And uh, of the nine sessions, two-week sessions that we have available for this summer, uh, three or four of them still have openings. Right. So those are mostly in the state of Georgia. Uh, we have scholarships available to help with that. We want to be sure that every young person has the opportunity to come regardless of their financial ability. And we can get hard copies of the book. We, most of the hard copies have been going to people in state legislatures and Congress and so forth. But if you if you need a bunch of them as a group, yeah, just reach out, summit.org. We'll figure out a way to get right. them to you. Well, you both are warriors. I appreciate your leadership on this topic. This is so critical. And, uh, and us here at CPAC, we appreciate uh, your leadership on this topic. And we'll keep talking about it. It's so important. So thank you, Brandon Showalter and Dr. Jeff Myers for joining me today. And thank you all for watching. Remember, we have expanded to the podcast world and you can listen to America Uncanceled with Matt and Mercedes Schlapp wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time. God bless.